It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I'll introduce my guest shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week. Over the last few days, I've been thinking about the quality of my interactions on social media. I really enjoy meeting new people on Facebook, for example. However, I will say that sometimes I do find the experience to be a little disappointing. On those occasions, I find that the only reason someone wants to be friends with me is so they can sell me their book or their program or their business opportunity or whatever it happens to be. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with that, I'd say there's something really, really important missing from that. It's the idea of knowing, liking, and trusting somebody first. Think about this. If I don't know you, I probably won't buy from you yet. That's because you don't know my situation, my business, or where my journey in life is taking me. In fact, on those occasions where I've had to say no or not yet, it's amazing to see how many of those people drop off the face of the earth. And while I'm not in a position to judge, I can only wonder why don't they don't see the value, the long-term value in building and maintaining a relationship. Conversely, if I don't trust you yet, I really won't buy from you because I don't know yet that you have my best interests at heart. And if I don't like you, there's no way I'm going to buy from you because I only do business with people I know, like, and trust. And I'm sure deep down, so do you. So think about that. I see so many people spamming their opportunities all over social media like they're throwing darts against the wall. And then they wonder why their businesses are failing. So it's all about knowing, liking, and trusting someone first. It's far more effective in the long run. And with all this in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. And before I forget, let me give you the call-in number in case you'd like to call in and participate in today's discussion. That number is 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. And my guest this week is Dave Ferguson. Let me tell you about him. Dave Ferguson is an internationally recognized executive coach, mentor, speaker, and trainer in the areas of leadership and personal development. Dave helps business owners, executives, top management leaders, and political leaders transform how they communicate, connect, and grow as leaders. He equips individuals, thought leaders, and organizations with high-performance solutions to ensure continuous improvement in personal growth and business results. Prior to starting his coaching company in 2007, Dave held several senior-level leadership positions at mid-size and Fortune 100 and 500 corporations, where he successfully coached, mentored, trained, and developed leaders at every level. Dave has over 20 years of experience in sales, leadership, business development, coaching, and mentoring at both corporate and small business levels. He is a no-nonsense leader who's helped develop leaders at all levels. He's also an executive leadership coach for the John Maxwell Company, where he coaches executives internationally. We will discuss all of this and so much more on today's show. And with this in mind, here is my very special guest, Dave Ferguson. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing great. Excited to be here, Brian. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. So here's the first thing I always ask everyone, Dave. Tell us a little bit about your background, your backstory, how you started, what you learned and overcame, and what brought you to where you are right now. Oh, great. Well, let me just add, because I loved your opening, because you were, you were dead on with your opening to the point. And um, as I always say to people, the revenue is in the relationship. So create the relationship first, and then you may get some revenue out of it. So hope you don't mind me jumping in there on that, but I love, what, I no, love the way great. you opened well, God, my backstory is I grew up a poor kid on Long Island and uh, <clears throat> um, really had to work real hard to pull myself out of that atmosphere. And, uh, and, and you know, like I talk about in my book, I, perseverance is, uh, has been something I've been blessed with my entire life. And, um, you know, so I was able to pull myself out of that environment, didn't have a father figure, um, you know, was surrounded by female leadership which is something I'm very passionate about, even today. But uh, pulled myself out, uh, got educated, did pretty well, um, landed a couple of really good jobs, did really well at that, learned a lot of lessons, failed a lot on the way up, um, dusted myself off, surrounded myself with some good mentors and uh, coaches, and, uh, you know, um, worked my way up the company ladder, as, as they like to say, because they, as they used to say, I should say. You don't hear that too often today. Right. Absolutely. Then, yeah, know, it seems like, then, yeah, people don't seem to stay, stay very, very, anywhere very long, it seems, lately. Yeah, it's interesting, because the first corporation I went to, everybody, people had stayed there and retired. You know, people had done 30, 40 years and retired. And, and so when I walked into that environment, I was like, oh, well, great, I'll work here until I'm 50, retire, and never, you know. But um, it it came close to that. I you know the whole time I worked for two corporations, so that wasn't bad for 20 years. Um, and then you know eight, eight years ago I I got into the coaching and speaking business. Wow. So how is it that you decided to break away from corporate America and do that? Well, it was kind of a natural fit, and then and the timing was natural. So if you think about the economy about eight years ago, um, I did very well. I I kind of felt like as from where I came, I overachieved. So, you know, I did really well in corporate, made a lot of money, traveled extensively. And I got to the point where I really just did, I liked the money, but I didn't like what I was doing anymore. And so my why had become money. And when your why is money, things get dangerous for you. Yeah. Okay. And I see that a lot in the executives that I coach now. And so I try really to help them and coach them through that because when your why is your, is your, when Y is a dollar sign, you might get the money, but a lot of good things aren't going to follow. Um, and so, you know, when I recognized that, I recognized that I loved the money, but I really wasn't passionate about what I was doing anymore. I had an opportunity to get out when they were still paying people to get out. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, so I had 20 years under my belt, and uh, I wanted to do something different. Wow, that's wonderful. If you had to start over today, is there anything you would have done differently? Hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. Well, God, just from a leadership standpoint, I would have listened to some mentors earlier on. Um, you know, I I um, was blessed to have some good people around me. I was also blessed to have a lot of bosses around me, not leaders. We'll get into more than that, more of that later. But um, you know, I think sometimes when you're you know you're young and you're driven by money and you're a little bit hard headed, you don't listen so well. And and my personality type probably makes that even worse. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know. I think if I, I'd go back, I'd do a couple things different. I think I would treat people a little differently. Um, I was a boss for quite a while until 
until some mentors got to me and helped me develop into a leader. Hence why I wrote this book. Um, so that's that's the biggest lesson I learned. I think the biggest lesson I learned, too, is I don't regret money being my why because it afforded me a lot of things in my life. Right. But it cost me some things, too. So I really I use that so much in my business today. What do you think it costs you? I think it costs me relationships. I think it costs me, um, geez, you know, um, it probably cost me some friendships that I don't have now. Um, I think it. Um, I think it could have cost me position at some point. I did very well, but who knows? I, I could have done better. Um, I think when you're chasing the almighty dollar and you'll you'll travel and leave your family for that almighty dollar, you know, on Monday morning, coming back on Friday or Saturday, sometimes not coming back for two weeks. I think when you're chasing those things more than you're chasing what probably should be higher priorities in our life, I think you, you miss out on some things. Now, I don't. I yeah. tried not to keep track of what I missed out on, but I'm, right. a smart enough, I'm a smart enough guy to know I did miss out on some things. Yeah, and I can say that I've been in some companies, too, where at first the value systems or the value priority of values were people first, then money, then things, like Susie Orman likes to talk about on our TV show. But you kind of notice sometimes when that value hierarchy flips to money first, you make a whole different set of choices when money is your guiding force versus people. Does that sound reasonable? Oh, absolutely. I I, I can write a book, whole book on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Were, were you in some situations where you saw that flip around, or did you realize that for you that that was a flip that happened? You know, I had a mentor, um, fairly, you know, about mid-career for me, and very successful leader, great guy, it's funny, you know, he is, I tell us, the, you know, God rest his soul, he, he's passed away um, while I was working for him, but um, he was a beer drinker, this guy, okay? And there was this little, from, not far from corporate headquarters, there was this little tavern he loved going to, and, he, and, you know, he'd get a pitcher of beer, and he'd sit there, and he'd talk to people and things like that. So he started inviting me outside of work to go meet with him there once a week or so, you know? And so him and I would literally sit there, drink a pitcher of beer, and he was mentoring me outside of the office. We would really have some pretty deep life conversations about people. And, and what he was trying to tell me was that, Dave, um, you know, through people, you'll, not only will they get what they want, you'll get what you want. And that was his underlying theme. And he showed me that, you know. And um, so I was really, really blessed to have him in my life. And there's several people like that, but he was a real catalyst for, for me going from boss to leader. Yeah, absolutely. We'll discuss the difference between those two when we come back from our break. We've got about a minute and a half or so before our next break. And I, I do want to mention that your book is called Boss or Leader. And I know there's a subtitle that too. A boss or leader, are you living for, or leading for a living or living to lead? And uh, did this book take you a while to write or did it come up pretty quickly? We've got about a minute or so to a break. You know, it was pretty simple. It, I mean, it was hard to write your first book. But yeah. the hardest part was just getting started, right? Now, I've also had yeah. some book writing mentors, too, so um, that helped me out a little bit, too. But um, it, it, it was just hard to get started. Once you get going, you know, I wrote for newspapers, business columns for years, so that helped me quite a bit, too. Um, I write real simple. I kind of write it at about an eighth grade level. Yeah. Um, and well, people it, tend to like it simple. 
Absolutely. And we've got just a few seconds to our first break. My very special guest this week is Dave Ferguson, and his book is called Boss or Leader, Are You Leading for a Living or Living to Lead? And we will discuss this book and so much more after our break. Please stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio. Don't go away. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? SmartGuy.com is one of the fastest growing business networks in the world. Managing over 600 city business networks from Los Angeles, California to the country of Bahrain. In just a minute or two, you can add your business and be quickly listed in their global business directory, local business networks, and get a free web page that can actually rank on top of major search engines in as little as one to two weeks. No kidding. Simply go to www.smartguy.com. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves a smart guy. Smartguy.com. At Solave, we think a person's voice is the most powerful form of marketing, so that's what we want to invest in. While other companies spend billions on traditional marketing, we reward you for sharing Solave with your connections. We began with a simple idea. A single relationship has the power to make life better for many people. We took this idea and turned it into a company that can make commerce less expensive and even profitable for everyone. We started with mobile phone service because it's something all of us already use, and it's the technology connecting us every day. We put you in charge of what you pay for mobile service. And simply making the switch to Solave is the first step to spending less. $49 a month for unlimited voice, text, and data. But it gets even better. You can earn money just for sharing Solave with others. As your network of connections grows, both through your actions and the actions of each person who joins because of you, you can quickly be paying nothing for your mobile service and even make a profit every month. Visit us online at www.social-commerce-now.com to learn more and join the Solave revolution. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And this is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dave Ferguson. His book is called Boss or Leader. Are you leading for a living? or Living to Lead. And where you can find me, you can find me on Facebook. My page is Success Profiles Radio. Please like my page. You can find me on Twitter, at Mr. Brian K. Wright. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find my book, Success Profiles, Mental Toughness and Sales, on Amazon in the Kindle store. And you can also download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio anytime for free on iTunes. I would love a review. I would love if you would subscribe to the show. That way you could take the show anywhere you want. And uh, I would really greatly appreciate that. So we're talking to Dave Ferguson. His book is called Boss or Leader, Are You Leading for a Living or Living to Lead? And we did very briefly discuss, you know, how this book came about. But what do you think is the difference between a boss and a leader? 
Oh, that's a long list. (laughs) You know, know, um, bosses really drive people, right? Um, And and so kind of like, you know, when you drive a nail, right? Mm -hmm. Bosses kind of hammer people. They drive people to get a result they want. You know, but a, a, a leader really encourages and coaches people. So even when I coach people, I consider myself a leader. I'm trying to get people to go from where they are now to where they really want to go. And I can't do that by hammering them um, and driving them. I can do that by encouraging them and coaching them. And so, um, you know, um, bosses, you know, um, also, you know, bosses tend to like to cross the finish line uh, before their team where, where, you know, a leader crosses the uh, finish line with the team. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hear a, uh, I have a friend of mine for years that's really a boss boss. And, you know, we we call him the eye man because everything out of his mouth starts with an eye. Yeah. And uh, a leader, everything out of his mouth starts with we. Yeah. Right? I love and, that. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of difference, you know. Um, you know, when things go wrong, you really find out the difference between a boss and a leader. Oh, when absolutely. Things are going well, you don't necessarily. But when things, when the wheels fall off, the boss places the blame. But, you know, and the leader takes charge of fixing whatever broke down, yeah. where the breakdown was, you know. Um, yeah. And leaders, you know, leaders kind of show people how to do things. Um, bosses kind of know how it's done, but they don't really share it with people. They create the mystery sometimes around it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, um, you know, the other thing is, too, when it comes to listening, um, generally bosses don't care to listen, where uh-huh. leaders um, leaders care enough to listen. Do you think insecurity plays a role in that? Oh, absolutely. I say this often. I think it's actually harder to be a boss than it is to be a leader. I think naturally we're leaders. Now, I'm not saying we're naturally born leaders, but I think naturally we can progress into being leaders. I think it's harder to be a boss. You know how I say it's all, they say it's harder to use more muscles to frown than you do to smile? Right. Right? It's the same concept. I think people act into a boss. But we also today, Brian, we make boss being, you know, we make boss popular today, right? So we had a TV show called Who's the Boss? People go, oh, there's my boss, your boss. We've even got a TV show called Undercover Boss, right? I was just going to say that, yes. Right? So why do we not say who's the leader, there's my leader, undercover leader? Right. So I'm on a bit of a mission to try to change that. That's going to be a tough one. This was the first book to start doing it. And so, um, you know, people go to work as a leader for a living, okay? And that's really being a boss because if you're really a leader, you lead in everything you do. So you lead as a lifestyle, and that's why I put this. Are you leading for a living or are you living to lead? Right. Um, You know, I kind of got that from the old statement, you know, do you eat to live or do you live to eat? Right. Right. Um, and so, but think yeah. about that. People go to work in a leadership position, right? Which is the lowest level on a leadership ladder is position. It means somebody puts you in a position or you bought your way into a position. It doesn't mean people are um, following you for any more than a paycheck or job security. Right. You know, and there's you follow a, a leader. You fo- right. Sorry. You oh, follow a leader for a lot of reasons. Absolutely. I was going to say there's a, a phrase that's really popular now where you say, like a boss. Well, I mean, like a leader doesn't really flow off the tongue quite as easily. But, yeah, bosses all over the culture. I understand. Absolutely. You're right about that. 
You know, it's funny. I just saw something on Facebook maybe about a week ago. On social, I think it was Facebook, one of the social media channels. And people were like, somebody said, make a statement and then end it like a boss. Right? <laughs> and, and so something you did and said you did it like a boss. And, I, of course, you know me, I had to interject and go, like, why call it a boss? Why can't you say I did it like a leader? You yeah. know, and so the debate, the, it's interesting the people's mindset that we actually put more value on bosses. Society. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think people really, want to be a boss. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like it's like you're proud to be a boss. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, let me ask you this. Now we were talking about being a leader, and so you do uh, early in your book talk about the definition of leadership, and there are so many definitions out there. How do you define leadership? And when you when someone says leadership, what comes to your mind, Dave? Influence. Influence. I love that. Is the simplest way. I mean, can I be influential? Yeah. Right? And so, you know, it, it, even if, if you just take it, your community, let's say you work in your community and you live in your community, right? Do mm -hmm. people see you as a leader? Because right. if people see you as a leader, you're just not a corporate executive somewhere. You've got to be leading little league teams, nonprofits, something at church. You, you're a leader. You want to lead all the time. It doesn't mean you don't follow at all. Okay, but your preference is to be a leader. You're, you 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 want to help people go from one place to another. You want to help organizations go from one place to another. You want to lift people rather than lean on people. Mm -hmm. And so influ influence is the easiest word to put on it because I think you're influential as a leader. You can be influential. You have the opportunity to be influential in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different venues. Yeah. And oftentimes we just look at it as work. Yeah, absolutely. You ever, so you've never heard the you never heard the term servant boss, right? Right, exactly. Right. It's it's always servant leader, right? And so absolutely. the real difference there, and I talk about it in the book a little bit, is that you know we're we're full of. Uh, I think we have a shortage of leaders. Okay, now there are people that will debate me on that, and that's fine. I'm always open to debate. I think we have a shortage on leaders, and part of the reasons is we have a lot of self-serving leaders and not a lot of servant leaders. Yeah. And a self-serving leader is nothing more than a boss. That's an interesting perspective. I like that very much. Absolutely. So let me ask you, because we are talking about the differences between bosses and leaders, how do you think bosses and leaders handle challenges differently? Huh. Well, I think, number one, I think, I think a boss is going to handle challenge as um, something that shouldn't have happened, it happened for a reason that was out of his control, um, and I think a leader is going to take responsibility and say, "These challenges are going to come up. It's, it's, we're going to prepare for them, and when, when, and when this challenging opportunity comes up to us, um, not only are we going to handle it, but what are we going to learn from it?" When you place blame, you rarely learn anything. Yeah. You know, my mentor John Maxwell wrote a book a couple of years ago. It's a great book. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Mm. Right? So leaders exactly. learn. And they help their teams learn from it. So, you know, next time we're going to do it differently. Absolutely. So I love the idea that, you know, sometimes you, you win and sometimes you learn. So let me ask you, how do bosses and leaders view success and failure differently as long as we're talking about learning? I mean, I think that's probably going to be part of your answer here. I think um, a, a boss looks at success from a task standpoint. 
Very, very task-oriented, and a leader looks at it from a people standpoint. Mm. That's, a, that's the simplest way I can answer that. You know, so, you know, a boss will have a to-do list, and we were successful at hitting all everything on the to-do list, and some of those to-dos might be goals, okay, which is great. But a leader's really goal is to fulfill the vision of the company but also help the team fulfill their own personal visions at the same time. Yeah. Um, the boss the boss just wants to check off the task list and hit the goals. Yeah, they feel like their you know, their day is complete if they got through the whole list without regard right. for how the people developed along the way. I, I love that you talk about leaders being developers of their people because you, you can accomplish a whole lot more if your team is growing. I mean, personally growing, not just am I getting better at my job, but if they're becoming mm-hmm. – more well-rounded people, too, because then they're able to handle a lot more responsibility in the end. Does that, does that sound reasonable? Absolutely. When you're at a certain level of experience, um, you know, I use a leadership ladder when I talk about these things, but when you're at a, when you're at a um, certain level of experience of a leader, um, your job becomes nothing more than developing other leaders. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if you've, de- you if you've, developed, if you've developed strong leaders underneath you, they're carrying out the mission of the company for you. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a couple minutes to our next break. Here's a question that I really do want to ask. Is it important to be liked by your team? And secondarily, can we trust someone without liking them? Okay. So I actually answered that question in my in the book I just finished that's going to come out in uh, late July. But so I'll answer that. That's a, that's a, that was a softball. I know you didn't know about it, but that's I appreciate. No, it. I did not. <laughs> so I wrote this piece about you know it's not your job as a leader to make people happy. It's your job to make them better. Yeah. Okay. You give people the opportunity. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to mentor you, and you can get better. But I I can't make you happy. And so, you know, um, if, if your goal is to be liked, you're in the business of trying to make people happy. And um, it's, not, it's not a real healthy business to be in. No. Um, I, think, I think your goal um, is to get people from where they are to where they want to go. And really happiness, happiness will come with that. But sometimes you can make people better and they're still not going to be happy. So um, then you're going to need to look at should they be even in your chain of command anymore. Yeah. That's that's a really really good point. And so, is it required that we uh, like some? What's the we got like thirty seconds? Maybe we can take this to the to the next section. But I do plan on asking: Can you trust someone without liking them? And what's the relationship between liking and trusting? This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dave Ferguson. His book is called Boss or Leader: Are You Leading for a Living or Living to Lead? And we will talk about liking and trusting. We'll talk about motivating, inspiring people. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, the value of character and how valuing character can determine how you choose your team and a whole bunch more. We will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please don't go away. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. 
energy-saving solutions, innovative Double Green Plan enables you to switch to energy-efficient LEDs and other modern lighting with no upfront cost. Modern LEDs are far more efficient than other types of lighting, but for many businesses, schools, and nonprofit organizations, the reason for sticking with the old inefficient lighting is the cost of replacing them. While an old-fashioned incandescent bulb may cost a dollar, LED costs $30 or more, and that's why energy-saving solutions has designed our Double Green Plan. Double Green allows you to convert to LEDs with no out-of-pocket cost. We'll pay for your new lights, and you'll pay us back with a percentage of your savings. From the very first day that your new LEDs are lighting your life, you'll realize a positive cash flow, and you'll be doing something positive for our environment. For a free cost and energy savings analysis, call Joshua May at 888-620-8133, extension 7082, or visit us online at www.energysavingindustry.com. With quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. Do you want to get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your High on Life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dave Ferguson. He is the author of the book, Boss or Leader, Are You Leading for a Living? or Living to Lead. And if you want to call in and ask us any questions, that number is 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. And while I'm thinking about it, Dave, where can we find your book? Uh, you can get it on my website, uh, livingtolead.com. And, um, and also, I'll, I'll make a special offer to your listeners if they, uh, if they want to um, email me and tell me they were on this show today, I will... Uh, allow them to buy one for their friend for half price. That's fantastic. Love that offer. Very, very generous. Thank you so and much for e- that. And they, can e- and they can email me there at dave at com. Dave at livingtolead.com. Okay, wonderful. So before the break, I alluded to a question that I wanted to touch on, the relationship between liking someone and trusting someone. Can you trust somebody without liking them or vice versa? Mm, that's a tough one. I, I think yeah. my gut says no to that. Um, that, um, but but I would I think that you can a leader can trust someone they don't necessarily like. I believe, but I don't believe an employee will trust a leader they don't like. Right, and so because the leader can put in checks and balances to make sure things are being done, but up, but but from an employee up to the leader, I just don't see that happening. And so, you know, um, look, everybody's not 
liked, but but you know you can take some good things from everybody, whether you like them or not. I you know there was people I worked with. I can think of a, a leader right now I worked with that I really didn't really respect them that much, but I learned a few good things from them. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't follow them all the way. I followed them in a couple areas, but I didn't follow them in a couple areas. You know, so there was, you know, I think I think sometimes um, I think a leader's character levels can can vary. Yeah, absolutely. And I I find it very interesting that you just brought up character because that is something I want to ask you about. When some companies pick their team members, even when sports teams pick their team members, some organizations have the reputation for valuing character very highly, and others really don't. They're more interested in who can perform without regard to what their off-the-field conduct is like. How do you see the relationship between having someone in your team with good character versus having someone in your team who performs well but maybe doesn't have high character? Mm. Um, sooner or later, the, the you know the, you know they say rising tides lift all boats. Yes. You know, but if you but if you've got a real heavy anchor in that boat, and that and that heavy anchor is lack of character, it's not rising. And yeah. or, or it'll rise very li- to a very limited level. Okay. And and so, you know, if you're all about winning, regardless of character and integrity, um, you may win some things, but sooner or later it's going to crumble on you, right? Um, and yeah. we see that a lot today in, in sports, right? Um, it's mm-hmm. one, it, that, and politics. They're the easiest two things to pick on today when it comes to leadership. Um, right. You know, and so it's a, it, it's a breakdown. It's a societal breakdown in a lot of cases. Um, like I said, we go, we, it's very self-serving, like I said earlier. So it's a, it's a form of self-serving leadership, which is nothing more than being a boss. Yeah. You know, and, and if you're, look, you can even take take Christianity and take church serving in church out of the word servant leader. So many people think that when you say servant leader, you're automatically in a church, and that's not true. That's one of the problems with the term. It's it's highly misunderstood. Yeah. Okay. I could be a servant leader and never go to church a day in my life. If my job is to serve people and serve people to get them where they want to go in their life and career, I'm a servant leader. Okay. But we confuse it too often with with church. Now, look, some of the best leaders in the world are are, are in churches and 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 are committed servant leaders. I'm not saying that's not the case, but um, I think if we just you know if we really like I said, I think leadership is a lot easier than bossship. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but we don't train people on it. Let's face it, I, you know, um, not every corporation calls me and asks me to come in and develop their leadership team, right? Um, they don't. Um, they spend very little time. The, the thing what I, where I'm successful in these corporations is that I go into them and say, here's where you're wrong. See, leadership is not professional development. It's personal development. Yeah. And, you don't like to, and you don't like to personally develop people because you're a corporate America. And, we yeah. only pay for, and we'll only pay for professional development. Right? And that's where they get it wrong. Leadership is personal development. Yeah. I, I love that. There's there's an age-old question that comes out of it when companies are debating whether or not to develop their employees. On the one side of the ledger, you think, you think well, what if we develop our employees and they leave? And and the other person says, yeah, what if we don't develop them and they stay? <laughs> so that yeah. really should solve that question right away. I think, I think yeah. you're absolutely right. Developing your team really should be important. And if they stay, that's great. If they don't, then hopefully they'll 
uh, be a benefit to wherever they go next. And I think that just you know perpetuates the chain forward. So I think that's really great. And that mindset, that mindset reeks of insecurity, like we brought up earlier. Right? Yeah. A boss is going to think that way. A true leader is not going to think that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really wonderful. I appreciate you sharing that. So let's talk about, we talked about success and failure a little bit earlier. We talked about the idea of, of blaming. How do you think bosses and leaders view failure differently? Because, I mean, obviously, everything we try is not going to work out. But in those instances where things don't work out the way that we think they should or the way that we hoped, how do bosses and leaders view those experiences differently, and how does that translate to uh, helping your team out? Well, simply, a boss looks at failure as a, as, a, as a mistake that someone made along the way that wasn't caused by what he was responsible, he or she was responsible for. And a leader looks at failure as an opportunity to learn and educate. I mean, so, you know, look, the most successful people in the world in history and currently have failed more times than they've succeeded. Mm-hmm. Now, most of, them, yeah. most of them today don't brag about their failures, you know. Um, but, look, I wouldn't, be the, I wouldn't be the coach that I am if I didn't talk about my failures with my clients. I would be robbing them if I didn't say, you know, I did that once and this is what happened. What if you, what if you tried this? Right? Yeah. I, I spend more time, you know, I, one of the things that I used to say all the time was uh, um, chances are if you're thinking of going through something or, 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 or going through something or thinking of going through something, chances are I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, let me help you. Right, exactly. And, yeah. And so it's wisdom. And so there you also, go. I mean, leaders, leaders, leaders take losses as wisdom. Yeah. And I love the idea that you just brought up the idea of transparency, and this is something that I was planning on asking anyway, so I'll just go ahead and ask you that right now. Transparency is so important, and and a lot of times people are afraid to let other people know that they've made mistakes or that they're less than perfect, and I think bosses are like that. There's one particular person that keeps coming to my mind when I think of the word boss because he's everything that I think a leader is not. And so sometimes, I'll tell you what, sometimes I'm very, very thankful for the bosses that I've had because it has taught me this is who I do not want to be when I grow up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep, I'm with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's talk about transparency. Many people in positions of authority don't want to be seen as, as weak or less than perfect. I love what you just shared about, hey, you know, I tried this, it didn't work, let's try this instead. How important is being real with your team, and are there limits or boundaries that you need to observe in your effort to be transparent with your team? Um, I, I use the word humble rather than transparent. Okay. And I think when you humble yourself in front of your team, um, they know you really care about them, right? And so I think it was the great John Wooden who said, people don't really care how much you know until you know how much they care. Or Actually, I think Teddy Roosevelt said it first, and then John Wooden put his name on it, and now everybody sure. else has put their name on it. But um, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when you humble yourself in front of people, there's a sense that they, you care about them. But when you're a boss yeah. and you're, everything's been perfect in your life and you're just driving tasks and things like that, and it looks like you've never failed in your life, mm-hmm. people know you're lying. Yeah. People know you're hiding it. You're behind a mask or behind a wall or you have a wall up. You don't want to share your failures because you think that they're not going to, to see value in you. When the opposite is true. Because if you share your failures and if you're humble with, with the people that you're working with, the people you're in the foxhole with every day, you can build trust really quickly. Yeah. Because That's everyone wonderful. has failures. Everyone has failures. 
I'll plug another book. It's not mine, but I believe in abundancy. But there's a great book on that that I learned from uh, that Patrick Lencioni wrote. It is called Getting Naked. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a leadership book, but to me, I used it as a leadership book. I really do. I think when you humble yourself in front of, this was more even humbling yourself in front of clients more than even your own teams. Yeah. Um, but. Um, you know, it's a tough thing. I fought that for a long time. I really did. Um, I wasn't always humble. I was I was a boss for you know early good early part of my career because I had worked for some bosses and I thought that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, when that's the example you know, that you have, you're you're going to follow the example that you have. You don't know any differently. That's true. Right. And so um, until somebody poured me a you know a glass of beer one day and and took the time to mentor me, um, you know, I didn't know any better. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got about a minute and a half or so before our final break. Can't believe how quickly this thing is going. Let's let's talk about the idea of earning respect. Bosses and leaders view this topic very, very differently. So how about distinguishing uh, how bosses and leaders view the topic of respect and earning it, or whether it has to be earned or not, I guess is probably a better way of asking. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure a boss really earns respect. I think if you're if, – if, if you're working for a boss, you're going to reason. You're going 99% of your employees. If you're a boss, 99% of your employees are going to reason, work for one reason, and it's not you. It's a paycheck. Right. That doesn't necessarily create respect. Okay. Um, now there are bosses that make a lot of money and can help you make a lot of money, and I'm not sure that 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 gives you job security and money in the bank, but it don't necessarily know if it creates respect. Relationships create respect. And leaders spend time getting to know their people, relating with their people, establishing their people's needs, helping them, helping them hit those needs, all while developing them and developing the corporation and helping the company be productive. And that, to me, is what gets people's respect. Absolutely. That's really wonderful. We are coming up against our final break. My very special guest this week is Dave Ferguson. His book is called Boss or Leader, Are You Leading for a Living?, or are you living to lead? And we will come right back after our final break of the day. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, 
business and life coach, Carmen Carosa, can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion. Every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Dave Ferguson. His book is called Boss or Leader. Are you leading for a living or living to lead. And while I'm thinking about it, Dave, tell us where we can find your book. You can find my book. You can go to my website, livingtolead.com. There's a resource section there, and there's a book. The book is there. And I also, I earlier mentioned that if anyone is on this call, if they wanted to email me and let me know they were on Brian's call, that I will um, give you the second one so you can give a friend or associate that book for half price on the second one. So buy one, get the second one half price, and I'll, if you want, I'll personalize them both. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. So here's the next thing I want to ask, and this is a really big one, I think. And I thought that your discussion on this in your book was particularly insightful, and you talked about accepting responsibility. You talk about the difference between being responsible for performance versus being responsible to the people who are on your team, and I love that. Could you elaborate on that, please? Yeah, well, um, first of all, I think our our number one ability should be responsibility, right? So as a, as a person, not even as a boss or leader, as a person, think about it. Our number one ability should be responsibility. Today, people don't take responsibility for their actions, right? Our prisons, right. Our, prisons are, our prisons are full of people that haven't taken responsibility for their actions, right? Um, so when you don't take responsibility for your actions, you're imprisoning yourself, right? And yeah. so, you know, you know, a boss... A boss really is responsible for something, some kind of outcome, right? But a leader is responsible to someone, to people. There's a, there's a big responsibility. I mean, you know, there's a difference between being responsible for hitting some number that the corporation wants you to hit and being responsible for the livelihood and the, and the, and the personal development and the, and the, and the life of, of people. Right. Right? And so... Um, that's a simple way of saying it, you know. Um, you know, bosses take credit for the rain, for the wins all the time, and they, but they also place blame for the losses. While leaders, you know, leaders share the victories and they own the losses and say, "Hey, what are we going to learn and do differently the next time?" Yeah, yeah, and I'll tell you what, people, the people who I have had the pleasure of serving with, who are leaders. I think take the idea of developing their team and being responsible to people very, very seriously because they realize that, hey, this person is working to support their family or to support whatever their big dream is, and letting them go is a huge decision, 
or deciding whether or not I want to build them up and develop them is is a decision that we need to make in this company. I, I love that because people who are simply bosses, they don't care. It's all about themselves and, you know, yeah. your, your, your team members are indispensable like they're a number. I, I, I hate that. I, I just and think that's, that's a, horrible. No, you're right. And that's an area where I work with my – when I coach executives, I work really heavily on. And, and one of the things I try to get them to change is that, you know, they're given a big number by corporate or, they, or they're the CEO, and they've created the number sometimes when I'm talking to them. And I go, great, you've got this great number that you're driving your team to get and you're leading your team to get. But you don't celebrate until you hit the big number. And so I get them to create gates, right? And so they create mm-hmm. small little victories along the way, okay? And so it doesn't feel like they're driving people. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, they're leading them to these small victories, right? And so they might have 10 small victories along the way to hit this goal. Yeah. Right? And so it just doesn't seem, um, it just doesn't seem like they're just driving towards this one big thing. It's like we get to celebrate all year when we hit a milestone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just not enough of that. I, that's one, one of the things I really have to work with a lot of executives on accepting and doing. And, and it, what it, it just breeds so much teamwork, okay? And it's, a, it's one of the simplest ways I get executives to really, um, you know, build esprit de corps and teamwork and all of that within their team that they're leading because – you know, look, if you if you got one big annual goal and that's all you go for all year and, you know, come December you might hit it. But boy, yeah. has anybody been happy? Has anybody celebrated anything all year long? That's huge. That's yeah. huge. I, I liken it to running a mile on a track. You have to run four laps around. So celebrate each lap as you did. It's like, oh, good, one more, three to go. And so you're, you're acknowledging those small victories along the way. I love that about the analogy that you just drew. So it is important yeah. to celebrate the small things. I mean, I went, uh, went on a, a weight loss crusade here over the last couple of years where I lost about 60 pounds. And, boy, every time I hit each 10-pound mark, I felt really good. And every once in a while, I would reward myself. You know, whether it was a, a, a really big cheat meal or whatever, but then I remembered, you know, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I've got to press toward my goal. And so I would, I would even celebrate some of my, my workout victories. I was like, hey, I actually ran for 30 minutes straight without, you know, stopping, you know, on the treadmill. That's huge. I remember when running for two minutes straight was a horribly difficult task, but that's not the case anymore. So, yes, I love the idea of celebrating small victories. Let me ask you something, Dave. We've talked about trust a little bit during the show today. How do you effectively build trust in your organization? I think, um, I think number one way is do what you say you're going to do, when you said you're going to do it, how you said you were going to do it. Isn't the first way, okay? Because who, who couldn't trust that? Right. Right. Um, whether it's something, whether they're doing something for you or doing something for the corporation, isn't that not the kind of people you want to follow? Right. Right. Um, so I think that way. I also think we build trust by taking time to get to know people and caring about people. Look, um, we all go through different things, business and life, right? Um, I think we make the mistake sometimes at work about making it all business. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to, if you know, if 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 I'm on a basketball team, there's five people on a basketball team, okay? Um, and tonight's what to the NCAA championship, right? Um, right. The, the team that's going to win tonight is the team that relates the best. Yeah. They know everything about each other. They know 
what kind of move they'll make, what they're thinking, how they're going to guard someone, okay? Um, and that's all about taking the time to study, relate, get to know, care, all that thing. Um, you can't be a, an eye person and be on that basketball court tonight and think your team's going to win. Right. Well, the two right. teams that are left are teams that play as teams. There are individuals, yeah. but they recognize their role within the team, and they're not people who are just looking out for their own stats. So, yes, that's a really wonderful analogy there, too. Let me ask you about your coaching, because you do executive coaching. Uh, you help organizations build trust. You help organizations build powerful leaders, correct? Yes. Great. What do you think is the number one issue that you help organizations solve? I get to ask that question often. The number one is, um, and I don't, I don't, I never use the term time management because I think it's an oxymoron. We all get, we all get 168 hours a year, a day. I mean, a yeah. week. I'm sorry, 168 hours a week. We just prioritize our time differently, and so I work with a lot of companies on priority management. Okay, and so what? What are your top three priorities? And you should be spending 80 to 90 percent of your working time in those priorities. And if you can't point the task that you're doing to one of those three priorities, you probably shouldn't be doing it. That's a great, great idea. So I whittle that down. Your it takes, it takes, it takes, yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. I say that to people in any, any, you know, if I was talking to a group of today on stage about life, and they wanted me to talk personal development and life coaching, I'd be saying the same thing to them. What are your priorities? And that's where you need to spend your time. You need to be in that zone, 80 to 90%. And if you're not in that zone, you're not going to really hit your goals that, that match up to those priorities. So if you were to look at everything you did and said, does this, does this match up? Can I point this to my vision? Can I point this to my priorities? If you were to ask yourself that question before you did anything, like this call right now, can I point this call to my priorities? I absolutely can. If, if I couldn't, I wouldn't have accepted the invite. Right. Right. I, I don't like to hear myself talk. Um, you know. So why? You know, if, if I could not point it to one of my priorities this year, I wouldn't be on this call. And so, uh, but the problem is, a lot of people. Um, it's not hard being on this call, right? So if I like to do all the easy things first, I would I would have said yes to it, right? If it, even if it didn't point to my vision, right? Because yeah. it's easy. It's easy to dial in, answer some questions. It's not hard. Okay. Right. And, you know, Brian Tracy used to call it eating the frog. Yes. You know, get up every morning. Do all your hard stuff first. So schedule all your hard stuff first. It's like the first thing, you know, the, well, I should say the second thing I do every morning um, is go to the gym. I work out. The sec, you know, I, I work out very early in the morning because it's the hardest thing I have to do all day. Right. That's great. So I, by, love, so I love that you, a, you make that a party. So by 6 a.m., the hardest part of my day is over. That's, that's really wonderful. So let me ask you this as we're beginning to wind down. We've got about three minutes left, and here's the question that I ask everyone at the end of the show. Who inspires it? Who inspires and motivates you? Oh, wow. Okay. So I invest personally a lot in mentoring and coaching. Okay. So I am blessed to have several mentors um, that um, I've spent a lot of time with. Um, okay. Jeffrey Gittimer has helped me so much in business through the years. He's a personal friend of mine. Um, John Maxwell, who I, I now, um, he sends me executive coaching business now, um, has inspired me and 
John's actually changed, helped me change my life. Wow. I get asked about, I get asked about my relationship with John a lot. You know, John yeah. has a relationship with a lot of people, okay? Um, but, um, and he affects a lot of lives. But me personally, um, he's helped me more in life than business. And that Great. has transferred over to my clients more than I could have ever done without John in my life. And then, uh, you know, the gentleman, I have a, uh, one of my coaches, Paul Martinelli, um, has just helped me um, visualize things I just didn't visualize, you know. Abund- I, the word abundance, if you think about it, he helped me really identify with abundance. The fact that, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have told you about other people's books on this call. I would have just told you about my books. I've dropped the right. names of three authors. I've dropped the names of three authors in their books today. I believe in abundance. Now, he helped me believe in abundance. So he took the insecurity out of my life. He helped That's me take great. the insecurity out of my life. So when That's you surround great. yourself with people like this, um, it's a big investment sometimes, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at just some of the things in the last year, um, you know, I now get business directly from John C. Maxwell, okay? Mm-hmm. There's, only, there's only five or six of us worldwide that he sends coaching business to, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, Jeffrey Gittimer is a personal friend of mine and recommended mm-hmm. my book for me. Um, That's great. I can call. I can call these people and ask them for business and life advice anytime. But it took me a while. I just didn't call them up and go, "Hey, you know, I had to earn it. I had to. I had to That's get great. in. I had to. I had to show my will." We are at the end of the show. We are at the end of the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. Thank you, Dave Ferguson, for being on. Get his book uh, at leadingtolive.com and join us next week on uh, Success Profiles Radio at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, listen to the show back on iTunes. Download and subscribe anytime you like. Thank you so much for listening. Have yourselves a beautiful week, and you take care of yourself. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. Goodbye. Files Radio with your host Brian K. Wright. Each week we'll explore different aspects of success and how